if you don't understand what they're thinking about the situation right now, you are very unlikely to help them build a path to a new way of thinking. But if you know where they are right now mentally, then you've got the ability to start to draw a map between where they are right now and where you want them to go. You're listening to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast with leadership speaker and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. My name is Nicole Greer and they call me the Vibrant Coach. And today I am so thrilled to have Tamson Webster on the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we get started because she's amazing. She has spent the last 20 years helping experts drive action from their ideas. So it's one thing to get an idea. It's a whole other thing to make it happen. And so that's what Tamsin does. She makes it happen. She is a part message strategist, part storyteller, and part English to English translator. Her work focuses on how to find and build the stories that partners, investors, clients, and customers will tell themselves and others. Tamsin has honed her expertise through work in and for major companies and organizations like Johnson & Johnson, Harvard Medical School, and Intel, as well as with startups that represent the next wave of innovation in life science, biotech, climate tech, fintech, all the techs, and pharma, all the techs. And she's a professional advisor at the Martin Trust Center at the MIT Entrepreneurship and Mentor for the Harvard Innovation Labs. I am out of breath. Hold on. And she's also served for over eight years as an executive producer and idea strategist for one of the oldest locally organized TED events in the world, TEDx Cambridge. There you go. She's a TEDx speaker. She's going to tell us where to go find that. Well, you know, you can just Google it. Tamsin Webster TEDx. There will come up. And she was a reluctant marathoner twice. And so we have a little something in common, Tamsin. I have run uh, one marathon in two halves. So we might have to talk about that. She is a champion ballroom dancer in her mind. Uh, don't miss that. And learned everything she knows about messages, people, and change uh, as a Weight Watchers leader. True story. Please welcome to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Yay, Tamsin. I'm Hello. so glad you're here. I am so <laughs> glad to be here. I, I aspire to be a vibrant leader. So I'm I'm excited about what I can learn. So okay. You. Well, gosh, let, we'll just keep sharing the genius back and forth, back and Let's forth. Let's do it. Well, yeah. Well, the first question, because I always want to get everybody's take, you know, it's like, what is your definition of leadership? How do you view it? I, I view leadership as a, like two people on a shared journey, I think is the, is the, is the way to think about it. And that you're going to a place together. And, and it doesn't mean that both of you have already been there, but one of you probably has more experience than the other in certain areas. But one of the things that I really just believe about humans is that you can learn something from everybody. And so anytime that I've been a leader uh, or any of the leaders that have been particularly great that I have worked with and for, uh, there really has been that sense of you know, we're of this shared journey of this, of we're on this road together and you know, of this exchange between, you know, where are we going? Do we agree with that? How are we getting there? What are the skills that you bring to the table? What are the skills that I bring to the table? What are the ones you want to learn? What are the ones that I want you to learn? And I just think that that exchange back and forth in pursuit of a destination, you know, and is really kind of at the core of how I think about it. 
Mm, I love that. A shared journey. So everybody write that down in your notebook, because I know every time you listen to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast, you're writing down these definitions. So I think that is a beautiful one. And um, the thing I love about you, Tamsin, after I visited your website, and so of course, everybody needs to go over to uh, her website, which is TamsinWebster.com, T-A-M-S-E-M, Webster.com. So you might want to pop over there and take a little peek while you're listening. But uh, is that you help people get their message together. And one of the things that I have found in my consulting is that, you know, leaders have what they want to do in their head, but they don't know how to talk about what they want to do in a way that's compelling or exciting or engages the crew. And I think that is what your, your thing is, is helping people find that. And don't you call that about finding the red thread? Yes. So the red thread is both the desired outcome and the approach. And and just to back up a little bit, you are so right. And I think we have all been in that situation ourselves where we know what we're trying to say and then we try to get it out and it just doesn't come out the way that we were hoping. Uh, And I definitely had enough of those experiences personally in my life that I wanted to figure out a way to solve for that. You know, I had 25 years in branded message strategy and a lot of I, what I knew was intuitive, like kind of, but there were still those moments where I would, I myself would struggle. And so the red thread uh, is, you know, I borrow it as an idiom from Northern European language and they use it to mean like, what's the big idea of something? In other words, what's the message? What's the, you know, what's the kind of logical progression of ideas? What's the theme? What's the thing that makes it make sense? And I think all of us are looking for that. And we, as humans, in fact, we need to hear that message, that red thread in order for what someone's telling us to make sense. And if we don't hear all the pieces, we try to put them together ourselves. And so I want to develop a process to help people find that, to help people build that, that was repeatable, uh, that took into account how busy people are um, and how even though our brains are wired for story, that most people that I meet in a business environment aren't comfortable in the role of seeing themselves as storytellers. So how could I do all of that, put it together? And, you know, what I end up calling the red thread, you know, method to find a red thread uh, was the result. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, how did you happen upon the red thread? Were you reading a book? Did you see a video? I mean, like, where did you find this language, this Northern European languages. Well, I had a Swedish client. So it's, uh, it's fairly common in Sweden. And I had a Swedish Swedish client. I was working with the company Ericsson at the time. You know, we were talking about something about, you know, I was working for for another company. And one of the big things that we would say over and over again, that other company, a great company called Aratium was that you need to powerfully land a small number of big ideas. And in response to that, someone said, oh, so we need to make sure, you know, this is all about how to, you know, we need to make sure that we understand the red thread of our, of, of what we're presenting. And I just thought at the time, I was like, well, this just must be Ericsson because I've never heard this before, but I, you know, you kind of, vis- it's just this beautiful you know, visceral visual image that you, you get once and you can understand contextually. Um, but I just thought it was Ericsson until three years later, I was working with a different company uh, state, in this case, state street bank. And they had, you know, one of their team members was from Sweden and then she used it the same, the same phrase, you know, oh, okay, what's the red thread that we're trying to get to here? And I was like, oh. at first I was like, did you work for Ericsson? She's like, no, it's a Swedish phrase. Like, do you not have this over here in the U.S.? I'm like, no, but I want to. And that just, that set me on a path to understand more about you know, what 
it meant from an idiomatic standpoint, but also what the story was behind it. And when I found that story, that's when it became clear that it was not only the right word or phrase to describe what I was helping people doing, it was also the right phrase to describe how I was helping them do it. Because mm-hmm. the, the origin story of the Red Thread is, is, is really pretty cool. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So in my mind, what I'm hearing you say is that like, you know, we have all these things going on inside of an organization, uh, but there's one message that is woven through the tapestry of everything we're trying to do. Do I have it right in my mind? How this You all- 100% have it right in your, yeah, that's right. And yeah, I mentioned that I spent many years in brand strategy and I found over and over again, that brand is important. Brand is obviously, you know, how you see yourselves. And importantly, it's like how, you know, I define brand as the sum total of people's experiences with you. Like that's, you know, there's aspirational branding when you're like, we want to be seen as X. And then there's your actual brand, which is how people actually look at you. And yet that it just, it didn't always fit the bill for the work that I needed to do when I was like running marketing departments, or it didn't always, it wasn't always useful when I was working in agencies and helping supply that brand positioning. And I was like, there must be, something else. Like, and, and why is it that there can be a gap between what a, what a company says its brand is and what people experience? It's like, there must be something deeper. And that's what I have now come to understand as being the red thread of a company. It is the, it is, think of it in many ways as the operating system, right? An operating system produces a, a computer that works a certain way. Like it's like a computer code, like just like your HTML code behind your website makes it look a certain way, but the code itself is actually what produces that. And that's how I see the red thread. It's very much the, you know, wh- whether we're talking about it for an individual, which we have them too, or our organization, it's not just the organization's why, which I think in a lot of ways is kind of its vision or its mission. It's why they do what they do the way that they do it. Right. Like that's what I mean by the operating system. It's this kind of it's this connective piece about that that gives rise to what the company does, what the company says, how it says it. And it's that red thread that when you know what it is, you can, you know, if you're interested in grabbing better hold of your brand, it's a lot easier to do that. It's a lot easier to also understand why it's not working if you don't understand really what's driving all that you do. Yeah. So it's kind of like um, there's mission, there's vision, uh, but then there's almost like a philosophy about because. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it really is kind of the, I just keep coming back to that operating system. It's, it is, it is the kind of set of assumptions about how the world works or how the company works or how they want to work in it that drives everything else. You know, it's, it is that combination. It is this, you know, so a red thread, you know, the best definition I've come up with it is the red thread is the story that we tell ourselves about how the world works or, or, you know, the, the story that we tell ourselves that makes things make sense. And, you know, a story doesn't have like one element. And I think that's one of the places where, you know, it's, it is simultaneously a very simple concept, but also it, it isn't just like, well, our brand is safety, like Volvo, right? You know, this red thread is more nuanced than that, but still fairly straightforward because it has these elements that are true across every message, every attempt that our brains make to make sense of something. And so when we can understand that, because it has those multiple elements, it actually has much greater power in my mind than kind of a simple brand tagline or something like that, because it is 
it is nuanced. It is multidimensional. It helps you understand, well, who are we serving? What questions are we solving for them? What are the perspectives that we bring to bear on those problems that are different? Why do we believe those perspectives? What are the, the values and the, and the assumptions that we have about why that perspective is the right one? Once you understand that, then you have a much better understanding of, okay, why we do what we do the way that we do it. So it's it's kind of all of this is the kind of the argument, the strategy that leads up to here's what we do as a company or here's what I do as a leader. And I think just think having that knowledge is what a one thing that we don't a lot of times have because a lot of times the we are blind to our own assumptions about how the world works. Just like a computer doesn't consciously read its own code, it just executes it, right? You know, and it takes a special thing, you know, a special step for us to open up a window and look at that code. Same thing is true for us, whether we're leaders or organizations, is that we we don't consciously read our own code. We just execute that code. But when you understand what the code is, then you can understand why something's not working, how to make it work better, and how to make it deliver exactly what it is that you're hoping it will deliver in a way that is uniquely true to you. And that's, I think, one of the additional places where really understanding your red thread in addition to your brand and your mission and your vision can come in really helpful. Yeah. And so I kept getting this image of like, you know, if you pull the red thread out of the tapestry, the tapestry falls apart because it's like that it's the thing tying it all together. Right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if, if I'm a leader, which I, which I am, which we all, which we all are, that's my definition. We're all leaders. Uh, that's my down low. But uh, if, if I'm a leader and I, you know, I've been in a company for a long time, it's very, very, very well established, um, but maybe it's going through change. It seems like so many of the companies I'm working with right now are, you know, being disrupted by all of the technology and COVID and all the things that are going on in the world. Um, and I think this is the perfect time to stop and slow down and figure out your red thread because it could really give you something to hold on to in the midst of all this turmoil, right? I <laughs> so, 100% believe that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you yeah. need to get your hand on the thread, people. That's so, right. So yes. how, how do yeah, so how how do we do that because I think a lot of times we're a little bit asleep at the wheel like, you know, we've been around since, you know, 1927 or something like that, you know, and we're pretty sure we know what we're doing, but it's like, you know, we need to reestablish. Um, it's almost like I'm thinking also about project management. You know, they have the five whys, you know, mm -hmm. why did this happen and why does that happen? And yep. why and you get all the way down in the weeds, right? So how does a leader go about figuring out their red thread? How do you do this anyway? Sure. I know they call you, call Tamson, <laughs> www.tamsonwebster.com. And then what else do they do? Well, the, the philosophically, what you're doing is that you're retracing the steps that got you to where you are in the first place. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. Based on what we've talked about so far, it really is a process of understanding of making explicit what had previously been implicit, right? Making clear, bringing, you know, opening up that control window and looking at the code. So what are the elements of that code? Well, it comes back to something I mentioned earlier, which is that you know, each of us, humans, period, all humans, we create explanations, rationalizations, in other words, stories to explain what's happening in the world or explain why we do what we do the way that we do it. You know, if I take an action, you know, if you act and then I act, then my brain is going to make an explanation about why my action was the right one based on what you did. That's essentially a story. It's a story that we tell ourselves, right? Like it's a story that we tell ourselves to kind of just generally to make ourselves feel smart, capable, and good. So that's kind of point one is that we do this anyway. We build these stories. 
Uh, point two is that, you know, based on the research that I've done, that these stories have common elements, that, that in order to make sense of the world, we're looking for key pieces of information. Uh, why is someone doing this? How is it, you know, what is it, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? What's driving that behavior? What happens as a result? And it turns out, not by accident, that those elements that we're always looking for to make a story make sense are the same elements that are present in actual once upon a time stories, not just, you know, not just these rationaliza rationalizations and explanations. So we can actually borrow from like, classical storytelling and use that almost like a, do you remember that game Mad Libs, you know, with like little oh, kids oh, yeah. where Fill like a blank. pad, it was a story, but there were holes missing. That's yeah. how I really think about this is that, that this pattern of the story, we all have the same kind of universal Mad Lib and our brains are always trying to fill in the same blanks, but each of us fills in those blanks a different way. So that's really what the red thread is. It's about saying, okay, what are those blanks of the story that each of us tries to build to make sense of something? And it turns out that there are really there are five elements to these stories, and they are, as I said before, you know, perhaps surprisingly, but they're the same elements that drive a classic story forward. The first is a goal, something that somebody wants and doesn't yet have. So if you're trying to figure out your red thread, then most of us, if you really start stop and think about it, you're like, you know, there is something that if I look over the course of my life, there is there is a question that I constantly ask. I am trying over and over and over again to solve. So for instance, I would say that with my work, I'm constantly trying to help people close the gap between the aspiration, you know, what's aspirational and what's actual, like between potential and reality. And I, I can look at all my jobs, you know, including Weight Watchers and go, yep, that's what I was trying to do is help, you know, find answers to that question, help people solve that question. So that's the first piece, a goal. When it comes to a message, that's the audience goal, but we can get back to that. But the second element is a problem that gets in the way. And generally I think about this as a, problem, you know, as in classic stories that somebody doesn't know about when they're starting. But when you're thinking about your own red thread, this is really about where you become aware that your perspective differs from many other people's or where you see, again, a, a different kind of gap, but that you are always trying to close. Um, and that's pretty well summarized for me between, you know, I'm, I've spent my education and my career kind of usually sitting in between two worlds. You know, sometimes it's a business world and the art world, or sometimes it was a company and its market, but always, always just sitting in between two worlds and operating as a translator between, thus my English to English translator thing. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. And so the, that kind of perspective, that problem that I solve, you know, beyond just trying to help people close that gap really comes, does come down to communication and that that's closing that gap between what you want to say and what people need to hear that that is like that that's the problem we have to solve before we can close the gap between potential and reality is that we have to close that gap between what you want to say and what people need to hear. And so that's the second element, a problem, usually of perspective. Uh, I talk about it in my book as a two-part problem. It always needs to be two parts because you need to establish kind of current and new. And then the third element from borrowed again from classic storytelling is something called the moment of truth. And I shortened that to the truth. But that is to, you know, that five wise exercise you were talking about before. If you keep going, uh -huh. why, 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 why on your problem, you'll eventually reach something that's inarguable, right? You'll get to a point where you're like, oh, okay. 
okay, that's true, right? Like, you know, I, I could use as an example of for, for my own work. I, I love the quote by Blaise Pascal that says, people are generally better persuaded for the reasons that come into their own minds than from those that come from the minds of others. In other words, mm. we... Yeah, and anybody who has a teenager that's listening to this knows that's the truth. Exactly. We love our own stories the best, right? Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say. Like, I'm just going to take what I say. Like, that's the most important thing. So that truth, that moment of truth is in a classic story, the moment where somebody recognizes the true nature of their circumstances. But when it comes to you and your own red thread, it is something that you like believe at your core. It really is a baseline assumption that you have about how the world works. And that's really key. And I can tell you right now that in the vast majority of messages, this is the piece that's missing. And it's critical because if you think about a story that moment of truth is what decides the ending. It's the moment where a character has to make a choice. They have to make a choice between what they wanted, what they believe about the world or themselves, and what they've been doing so far. And if they don't do anything, they're not going to get what they want. And the same thing is true if you're talking about a message where you want something that basically tell, you know, where people will believe it, they agree that it's true, but because they agree that it's true, that it puts what they want, that goal in jeopardy, if their perspective doesn't shift. And so that leads to the fourth element, which is a change. So we've got goal, problem, truth, change. So since the truth forces a choice, we're hoping that that results in a change. It's, well, it's always going to result in a change. It's either going to result in a change of the goal, or it's going to result in a change of perspective, or it's going to result in a change of belief. Like one of those things is going to happen. So we're identifying what that is. So if your own personal red thread, that's usually, okay, what is the, what is it that you help people do? You know, I help people build the story. People will tell themselves about their idea. And then the last piece are the actions. What are the specific steps that you, you do or the specific skill sets? If we're talking about your own red thread um, that you put into play. So this goal, problem, truth, change, action, those really are those open blanks in that universal Mad Lib that when we fill them in, we really start to understand that we have a, we, we actually do have a unique way of looking at the world and knowing what that is, as you were saying, can give you something to hold on to, go back to, um, serve as a lifeline when you're trying to navigate fairly choppy waters, as we have been doing for the last, oh, I don't know, <laughs> 18 months. Yeah. It's been a long time, yeah. but I feel, I feel hopeful. I still have hope. I know you do too. I'm holding on to my yes. thread that everything will work out. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you help people get to this place. And I think that part, um, you know, where you said people find the truth and then they make a choice around the truth, um, yep. you know, and when pop people make that positive choice or they be like, that's the point where like, you're either going to lead or you're not, you know, like when I think about leadership, it's like, oh, this is the truth about my life or my company or my community or my world. And now I'm going to like do something. And then when they decide they're going to do, that's when I think people get vibrant. They get lit. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I call those, I call that, I mean, I don't talk about it in the book this way, but I talk about that moment of truth oftentimes as a green light moment, right? It's the moment that something oh, I love it. like that light goes on and you're like, uh, Oh, and it's, I often describe it too, as the, it's kind of the inhale before the, oh, right. Like it's that moment of that realization that all of a sudden, like you almost don't notice it happens that fast because you notice what you do different. A lot of times you don't notice that there was that, all of a sudden there was that flip that happened. And something I do say in the book is that when two truths fight, only one lives. 
And frankly, this is what I've discovered over and over again throughout my life, not just my career, is that it like that's actually the secret to driving action for yourself or for anybody else is to take two things that somebody believes to be true and set them against each other. And somebody will make a choice. You you will make a choice because you, you, you will say, am I, do I actually want this goal that I've set out for a leader? Maybe there's a thing that you want. Maybe there's also a thing that you believe to be true about how you achieve, how you function as a leader, how you serve as a leader. If you can kind of get to a point where those two things are at odds with each other, you're going to choose. And, and you're going to either say, I am a leader who operates this way. That means that if I still want this thing, I'm going to have to go about this differently. Or sometimes you're going to say, okay, this maybe this means I need to actually change my goal here because if I'm going to continue to be this person that I see myself to be, if I'm going to live true to this value that I have about myself or the world, then I can't do, I can't do that and have this thing. So one of those things will always, will always win out. And that's really what's at the, that's the mechanism, frankly, that it's at the heart of using the red thread to build a message is that you're, you're building, you're actually creating a three-way battle between what somebody wants, what they believe, and the perspective they've been taking so far. And when you set those three against each other, typically only one moves. And because it's very difficult to get people to unwant things that they want, and it's very difficult to get people to unbelieve things that they believe. So if you can sandwich uh, a shift in perspective within what somebody already wants and what somebody already believes, then you're very likely, again, whether this is yourself that you're trying to move or somebody else, you're very likely to get that shift to happen. And it can be incredibly powerful. Yeah. Uh, so I love what you're talking about because I just had a little light bulb come in my brain is like, we're talking about like the message the leader needs to have, but I'm also hearing that you could use this methodology you've put together to actually coach somebody. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I remember right? in my bio, you said, you know, yeah, I spent 13 years as a Weight Watchers leader. That's where I get intuitively learned this. I kind of went back and really figured out what was happening that made it, you know, what, what was happening in those times where I was more successful as a coach, not, a, not just with Weight Watchers, but also as a leader, you absolutely can use this because you can use this, this methodology to get to, in some ways, point out to somebody that there is a conflict amongst the things that they want, believe, and the, the perspectives that they're taking. And it'll break one way. Like you have to be, as a leader, you have to be open to the fact that it may not break the way you want it to. I mean, a, a thing that's essential to my work is that you can't create long-term change for somebody. You can only create the conditions that may lead to it. And I think there's ways to really raise the game there that you can really raise that probability of success. But yeah, it's like, it can be incredibly powerful to- coaching tool. Absolutely. Great insight. Yeah. And so um, the, the three things are, what do you want? What do you believe? And what are the perspectives you're taking on it? Did I get that right? I you got it. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure people were jotting that down. I know yeah. they're on treadmills and driving their cars and stuff. So <laughs> I want to slow down, you know, make sure. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it maps out to the, the, you know, my red thread methodology is what somebody wants is something I call the goal, the perspectives they've been taking so far as I refer to that as a problem, but it's a problem of perspective. It's kind of the, it serves the role of a problem in the story. It's like kind of what has to shift in order for something else to happen. Um, and then there's that truth, which is what do I believe? Uh, and if you can, if you can set those three up in a way that 
what somebody wants and somebody what somebody believes puts pressure on their current perspective, then you are very much raising the probability that someone will change that perspective as long as the new perspective that you're offering still feels consistent with how they see the world right now. You know, you can't get, you can't ask someone to change their stripes overnight. You can't, it's just not going to work. So you need to find a perspective that's still consistent with their worldview, but that's not as hard as you would think, but it does mean that you have to really do some work and build a kind of empathy that I think that's gotten a little underserved. It's something known as cognitive empathy. Yeah. 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 So I think I love that we've done so much work as humans and leaders talking about emotional intelligence and EQ and, you know, which is all fancy ways of talking about empathy and emotion and specifically emotional empathy. And in other words, understanding how somebody else feels in a situation. But one of the things that I learned both in my life and as, you know, Weight Watcher leader and other places that you, you can't really dictate how somebody feels. A feeling is a result of something else. It's a result of an action. And more often than not, it's a result of a thought. And so as a leader, since you can't directly affect how someone feels, but you can give information that would influence how they think about something, I got really interested about that. And it turns out that that ability to not just understand how someone feels about something, but how someone thinks about something is another form of empathy. And it's called cognitive empathy. And you remember because it's cognitive thinking, cognitive empathy, understanding how like what somebody else is thinking in a situation. And I think this is one of the most powerful skills that a leader could develop is understanding how the people that they're talking to, working with, coaching, et cetera, how are they thinking about the situation right now? Because if you don't understand what they're thinking about the situation right now, you are very unlikely to help them build a path to a new way of thinking because you're just asking them to kind of let's just like land out of nowhere in someplace else. But if you know where they are right now mentally, and how they're thinking, what questions they're trying to answer for themselves, what perspectives they're taking, what assumptions are they bringing into the situation, then you've got the ability to start to draw a map between where they are right now and where you want them to go. And that's one of the reasons why I often say that your message is a map. It's a map to help build that connection, that red thread, between where somebody is and where I, you know, ultimately you'd like them to be. Again, they may not always follow it. <laughs> But um, it's much more likely that they will if you've at least shown them how to go. Yeah. And so uh, I think one tool that would be really helpful for people as you're talking about this cognitive empathy. Is that what you Cognitive empathy. You got it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Oh, so I'm learning so much today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tamsin. But I'm, I'm uh, dovetailing it with uh, something that I learned uh, when I was at Queens University uh, taking, I don't know what class I was taking. I think it was team dynamics or something like that. Oh, that sounds like and, an organizational behavior class. <laughs> yeah, it, so, was, it was. Yeah. And, yeah my uh, MBA is in an organizational behavior. So I'm like, that sounds just like my kind of class. I want to go. <laughs> oh yeah. It was so nerdy. Right. So, yeah. um, so the thing is, is the class we talked about um, Chris R. Argus's, Argus's, is that what you know you'd say that? Chris Argus's work on the ladder of inference. Yes. Oh, that is such, yes. That was actually the ladder of inference was at the core of Aratium's work. But yeah, go, please. Yes. I love ladder of inference. Go. Okay. Go so maybe love Chris you. came after him. But anyways, I no, Chris, I have, Chris inspired that work. So Aratium, oh, okay. like, yeah. So. Okay. Well, thank you for helping me. I got you all know, my professors and my PhDs in place. But anyway, so uh, I love it because if you go Google um, or if you email me, Nicole at VibrantCoaching.com, I'll send you this great little document I have about the ladder of inference because I think what, you're exactly right. Leaders need to kind of observe what's going on, uh, select 
you know, uh, in the uh, in the environment data, you know, from what you observe and then take that data and like what meaning are people giving that data? What assumptions? That's the next level on it, you know, that are people are putting into place. And then after they've done all of that, observe, select, give it meaning assumptions, then they they, they come to a conclusion and then they believe something. Yes, exactly. And then they take action on that belief. So I just was like, oh, the letter of inference is exactly what Tamsin is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, my work is very much informed by that kind of idea uh, because it it comes down to the stories that we tell. And the letter of inference does a beautiful job of, of talking about where those stories come from. Like, you know, what do we experience? What information from what we experience do we attend to? What conclusions do we draw from that? What beliefs do we draw from those conclusions? What, how do those beliefs drive what we, what we do as a result? And, you know, I think it's incredibly powerful. And one of the things I was trying to do with the red thread was, okay, let's simplify that. In other words, bake it in so that by asking questions like, all right, I'm trying to talk to this person right now. What what is it that they want? Like, what are they trying to do? You know, I borrow another concept from therapy, actually, uh, known as a universal, no, unconditional positive regard. That's what it, how it's what it's called, and that's the that's the principle that many therapists, most therapists, ascribe to, which is that they view everything that their client is doing through the lens of unconditional positive regard. In other words, without conditions, I'm going to think good thoughts about this person. And the way that I translate that, the way to kind of make it more you know, adaptable is to, is to remember that all humans want to be seen as smart, capable, and good is the way I like to put it. So this smart, capable, and good, being seen as smart, capable, and good drives most, if not all, of our behaviors and our thoughts and therefore our feelings about what we do. And so if we can start this process from a leader and let's say we're, we're coaching somebody and we think they're doing absolutely like (laughs) something that makes no sense to us whatsoever by practicing again, the cognitive empathy is built into the approach by saying to yourself, okay, if I, a assume this person is a smart, capable, and good person, you have enough evidence to support that for yourself. Then you say, okay, there must be a good reason here. And actually that's a, that's a tenant from Weight Watchers that there's a positive intent behind every behavior. So what question are they trying to answer? What goal are they trying to achieve for themselves by doing this? Okay. Cause if I understand what someone's, why someone's doing what they're doing, like what they think it's going to achieve, what problem it solves for them. Well, now you have that starting point of back to what I was saying at this shared journey and, and my seeing a leader as really as a fellow traveler, right? Like that's, that's really how I see leadership as, as a fellow, being a fellow traveler. Then all of a sudden you are starting in the same place and you're like, Oh, Oh, I see where you're trying to go. But you might be, once you're in that perspective, you can go, Oh my gosh, because of how the perspective you're taking, you may not see that you're actually taking the long way around to this So your job as a leader is to say, okay, I see a shorter path, but how can I get them there? And so that's where that second piece comes in of like, okay, well, what lens are they looking through? Again, they're smart, capable, good people. They're trying to answer a question like, you know, how can I get a, how can I get a better seat at the table? Maybe that's the question they're trying to answer. And the, that this, you know, the person they're trying to coach is trying to like, they really, they want to be seen and heard for the, the, you know, contributions that they're making. And Again, cognitive empathy. You're thinking, okay, well, what perspective are they taking right now that is how they're trying to go about it? They're smart, capable, and good. They're trying to be valued. And 
you know, maybe that the lens that they're looking through, this person is just that they do all sorts of stuff that just, they just churn through it. They're working all the time, whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. So maybe the lens that they're looking through and you can categorize that and say, maybe they're looking at it through the lens of actions. That this is clearly a person who feels like if they do enough stuff, then they will get the credit they're looking for. But based on your perspective as a leader, you're like, yeah, actions are important, but you know what? This person sometimes just runs roughshod over people when they're trying to get these things done. And so there's another attitude, there's another perspective here to look at for getting that you know, credit for the work that you do. And that's attitude, maybe. You know, so you've got this current perspective of actions. And if you can get this person to say, you know, would you agree that, you know, you know, the attitude, how somebody feels after, you know, about the actions you're taking is also important. Now you've made progress because now they're kind of like they've taken a step on your path. And if you can follow that up with something that, you know, back to that truth piece is something that you're fairly sure the person you're talking to would agree with. You know, I like to think of it as something inarguable. You want an inarguable truth that would get them to say, oh my gosh, the only way that I can get the kind of positive regard I'm looking for from my the people is to make sure that not only I have the right attitude about what I'm doing, but they do too. Then that's going to lead to a, ideally to a change in behavior where you can say, okay, we need to take these things into account. So I think that kind of process of, you know, the ladder of inference of kind of directing people's attention to certain aspects of what they're doing of from a cognitive empathy standpoint, thinking through what perspective somebody else is taking on this right now and taking your best guess, or at least using that as a basis for a conversation about it. And then coming at all of this again, with a belief, like truly in like this, and it can't just be fake. It really needs to come from, all right, I am going to consider this person to be a smart, capable, good person. I am going to do the work to figure out why their approach to this is so fundamentally different than what I would take. It can be an amazing journey of discovery, not only of the other person, but of yourself as well. Right, right. And um, and I think that that's where the emotional intelligent part comes in. Yes. Is to care enough to slow down, to do that work with these people you've invited on your journey that you know, or that you've hired into your yeah. organization. Yeah. So exactly. I absolutely, I love that. Okay. So here's the thing I know is that if you want to discover your red thread, go through the process with Tamsin. All you have to do is go to www.tamsinwebster.com. And uh, she has an intake form there. I bet you her phone number's on there and you could give her a buzz and she would absolutely help you uh, figure out your red thread. Uh, so in addition, she's got her TED talk out there. So make sure you go out to YouTube, Google up the TEDx talk that she's got out there. And then finally, you know, I'd like you to leave us with this, Tamsin. If there was one leader who's like, oh, I am so intrigued by this idea of, of the red thread. I've got a mission statement, a vision statement. I know my core values, but I don't think I have this red, thing, red thread mm-hmm. thing figured out. Um, what piece of advice would you give them, um, you know, to that special listener that wants to go ahead and get on that journey like right now? What would they do? Yes. You know, there's a, there's kind of the quick and a quick and dirty though. It's very clean because I tried to make sure it was as simple as possible to put is I've actually built a Mad Lib for people to just get started on this process. Um, And I call it the conversational case. Uh, And if you, if they go to conversationalcase.com, so conversational with an AL case.com, they can download that worksheet and uh, it'll essentially back them into you know, just just like as if they were filling in a Mad Lib, they fill in those blanks. It'll help them create, you know, a case for an idea that they're trying to make 
you know, you know, or, you know, change of behavior or coaching conversation, or even a, you know, presentation they're trying to put together. So I'd recommend they start there. Um, if they're intrigued, if they want to make it even tighter, uh, yeah, of course they could work with me, but I also, that's exactly the reason why I wrote my book. Um, you can find that on my website as well, or just go to redthreadbook.com. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, I have absolutely had a major like uh, electrifying brain session with you Yay! listening to everything you had to share. I'm all psyched up. I'm going to go get the conversational case download. And I already bought the book. Uh, so I'm I am all ready to go. But Tamsin, thank you so much for being on the Vibrant Coaching Podcast. We just absolutely loved having you. And then also uh, Tamsin is available out on LinkedIn as well if you'd like to meet up with her out there. All right. Well, I love having you. It was great being with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was great to speak with you and just to learn more about what you do as well. Ready to up your leadership game? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her unique shine method to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Email speaking at vibrantcoaching.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at vibrantcoaching.com slash TED talk.